We're back with another episode of Classic Movies Live, and in this episode, we're going to talk about January horror. It is the end of January. Uh, By the time this comes out, it may be the very beginning of February, but, you know, January has a bit of a reputation in movies, and I'll let you be the judge of what you think that reputation is, what you think I'm referring to. But one thing that uh, does happen quite a bit in January is we get a lot of new horror movies that... uh, tend to do pretty well in January. Whether or not they keep doing pretty well after January is always a little up in the air. But this week, not this week, this year, we got some very, very cool early year horror with Megan, or should I say M3gan, and Infinity Pool. Those are the two, yeah, those are the two that we saw. There was a bunch more January horror that came out, and so we just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about even the concept of January Horror. So today's episode, we're talking about Megan, and we're talking about Infinity Pool. This episode is pretty light on spoilers. We made a conscious effort to not spoil Megan, and I also made an effort to not spoil Infinity Pool, but uh, thinking back on it, I I did sort of talk about the theme. In order to talk about the themes, I brought up a few scenes specifically which, while I don't think on their own they necessarily spoil how the movie goes, I think they may, um, you know, I have to describe, I describe a few of the scenes in the movie pretty uh, specific detail, and those scenes may be best enjoyed if you have not seen the movie yet. So I'm going to leave that there. Infinity Pool is the last half of the episode. It is a half of the episode that I think you're probably fine to watch, even without getting too spoiled. I think Infinity Pool is one that's probably worth seeing, even if you've heard a little bit about the scenes. Anyway, point being, we're going to talk about Megan, then we're going to talk about Infinity Pool, and then at the end we've got a little special surprise as we sort of wrap up our discussion of January horror. Here is a song from Megan. This is Tell Me Your Dreams. to another episode of classic movies live pierre what's going on how you doing uh very swell on this saturday morning it is Uh, a saturday morning watched a fine little movie last night oh i was gonna say did you literally just watch it because i did oh no (laughs) i mean i watched it last night yeah but i did not watch it this morning is that that's what you're saying (laughs) 
it, it would be a lot to ask you to wake up like like we're already recording this at 10 a.m your time it would be a lot to ask you to wake up by eight to watch a movie yeah especially like a horror movie i don't think i've ever watched a horror movie in the morning but maybe that that's like a not a bad strategy just because like, straight up it's you're like it's too not tired worse. to like be scared yeah yeah <laughs> oh, okay cool yeah like I mean, I don't get scared that much at horror movies just because I'm desensitized to all emotion. So, like, I don't feel things. But, yeah. uh, I mean, I just, in general, prefer going to movies at, like, one in the afternoon because it's, it's a lot less, like, it's a lot less effort. It's no commitment. People usually make plans in the evening so you don't have to cancel plans with anyone to go see Megan. Yeah. Yeah. Or should I, I say I've... M3gan? It's it's not the most uh, hooking title, I guess. Especially if you're watching in the morning, I feel like it's it sounds like a Saturday morning kids show or something for um, eight year olds. But hey, I can like wrong with that. I can see Megan with a three as like um a, a my life as a teenage robot kind of thing on Nickelodeon. Yeah, that that could work, but uh, Me- yeah. Megan is not an uh. A cartoon no um, this is a this is another bloom house th- i don't know how much bloom house we've talked about on this show but like probably a lot just because they're all over the place like when it comes to low budget horror you've got bloom house and then there's like others but bloom house is clearly the king yeah i i'm not gonna lie i don't know much about I mean, I I know a lot about Bloomhouse. I don't always know if it is a Bloomhouse movie I'm watching. Like, it's not... I don't know. It just feels like it's just on a lot of random horror movies. Yeah, uh, I'm just looking so at I don't, my... like... I don't... When I, when I see the title, I'm not like, oh my god, this is a Bloomhouse movie. Like, it's an, it's an event. It's just like, oh, okay. It's, it's weird because, like, they have their own identity to some degree. Because, like... No, but it's not like A24. It's not like you can watch a movie and be like, yeah, this is a, this is a Bloomhouse movie. The same way you can be do that with like A24. It's more yeah, like no it's more like when you find out a horror movie was a Bloomhouse movie, you're like, oh, I'll bet their budget was way less than it looked like. <laughs> yeah. Which like surprisingly wasn't wasn't the case here, I guess. Was Megan um, an expensive movie? I didn't look it, I didn't look cheap. If that makes sense. It's it's only $12 million. That's actually really impressive then. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying with Bloomhouse. Is like, they have a... Um, they have a pretty good track record for making movies that look really good for really cheap. Uh, I was going to say, I, I guess part of this was... Uh, like, the, the, there's not really much of a cast, a famous cast to speak of. Are you telling me and, Allison uh, Williams isn't a star? She just announced the Oscars nominations, dude. That's crazy. Yeah, I know when you're announcing the Oscar noms, you're uh, you're really on your way up. Yeah, you're um, big business then. Big business. Yeah, she's been in. Well, I know her from Get Out, but looks mm-hmm. like she she's been in a lot, not a lot of stuff, but she's had some TV roles, a couple movie roles. There's an executive producer on this. That's surprising. I don't know who it was that she reminded me of, but there's someone. She reminded me of someone else. And I'm like, oh, is that the girl from, you know, whatever it was? And no, it wasn't. She she reminded me of the person from Dexter, but she's not that. Oh, yeah, that's fair. She's surprised. Like every time she's in a movie, she has like a starring role. 
which is kind of interesting too. I'm surprised about that. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a pretty not cheap looking movie, but they marketed, I guess they marketed it very well. And, um, they came at the, a very interesting time of the year, the January kind of dead zone drop where I feel like the studio just kind of threw it out to see what would happen. I think I said this on the last episode, but like January has this stereotype of being just a dumping ground for, I mean, it has a stereotype of being a dumping ground for bad movies, but really Mm. it's just like January is right after Christmas. So like, I don't know, I'm, I'm sort of projecting here, but studios aren't like super, super confident in the things they put out in January. Like they're not going to put a big, they're not going to put out a black Panther in January for example. Yeah. But like, yeah. Um, but I think what that leads to is January gives you, you end up in January with a lot of like very low budget movies that really have to sell themselves to like get people in the theaters. And at least recently I've been really impressed with, you know, they're low budget movies that the studio doesn't care about. So directors and producers just kind of go wild and like, I would never call Megan like fully experimental, but I think that there was like a lot more going on here than, than it looked like. Like it was marketed as uh, an AI that TikTok dances and kills people. And like, there's actually quite a bit more to this movie that I think, like, I think this movie had a lot of heart actually, despite yeah. everything. Yeah. Even though oddly enough, I think <laughs> the main selling point was, a really weird Android robot that did TikTok dances for no reason. I mean, I'm not, I don't <laughs> think that's odd. Like, you, you show me the TikTok videos, the TikTok clips of Megan, and like, yeah, that's why I'm going to go see this movie. Yeah, because, you know, you've seen, I feel like you've seen good-hearted movies before, but not with a killer Android robot. I think, I guess, like, before we, just the last thing I'll say before we really get into it, I think the best parts of Megan are the parts that are like closer to a family drama. But Mm. one, I don't think this movie would be better as a full on family drama. And two, Mm. I don't think anyone would have seen this movie if it was marketed as a family drama. Like that's not the selling point. You're not going to get butts in seats if you don't have an Android that kills people. Yeah, exactly. Um, Put that on your Spielberg and smoke it. Um, speaking of, do you, do you want to tell us a little bit about the, what the movie's about? What so, is uh, in, in Megan, or I guess M3gan, it's, um, it's about a toy developer. She, she's a toy developer, but really she's like more of a roboticist. She's, uh, the star toy developer for Funky Toys, which does like very high tech Furbies, essentially. Anyway, uh, Allison Williams plays Gemma. She's a toy developer and uh, her real passion is robots. So she's the star toy developer making like AI and like mobile integrated Furbies. But what she really wants to do is make like a really, really complex AI that can do a lot of things. I guess she's also really passionate about toys. So it's not entirely clear what she wants this AI to do but she's developing a very complex AI. In the meantime, her her niece is in a car accident that kills both of her parents. And 
the toy developer has Gemma has to take in her niece uh, and she is not prepared to be a mother. So she develops her AI. She finishes her AI to be basically a surrogate mother to her child. Then the AI learns about death and uh, the, the rest of the movie is Alison Williams arguing with Megan about uh, how best to parent a child. And um, because this is a horror movie, a lot of death happens along the way because uh, they have a fundamental disagreement about how to protect a child and how literally to protect a child. Yeah, basically, it's a it's actually a really cool. I mean, it's a very obvious metaphor for um, parents giving. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I mean, maybe would... more than obvious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would hardly call it a metaphor. Like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I know what you're saying, but like, it's yeah. it's way more than obvious. It's just right there. Yeah, um, I guess, yeah, that's the whole point of the movie. Um, well, I, I feel like you could look at this movie and, and think like, oh, this is like a, a ridiculous premise because, you know, I'd never let my child be parented by a technological being, even though it kind of happens already where parents give their kids access to you know ipads or um computers or tv like i i don't i guess now it's not tv anymore because that was like the last generation was raised by tv in a way you could wasn't there wasn't that a song lyric or something i want to say that was like a really tv is so 2004 man i'm sorry yeah i don't i was raised on i was raised on no but uh i i think that was like a uh, a cute little where it's like this is the next stage where now because now you know you have ipads that tell you like like the, like the parent doesn't tell you when to stop going on the ipad it's like the ipad tells you to stop going on or the ipad i don't know might remind i don't know i don't i don't know what ipads do for kids now maybe they remind them also to wash their hands <laughs> go to the washroom <laughs> like megan does i don't know the only thing is the ipad doesn't um physically assault people that uh are trying to protect you but hey who knows like maybe that's maybe that's the future I don't know. the, the future but, is ipads assaulting children yeah exactly <laughs> i, I want to see that movie where it's like literally just an ipad like doing what megan did in this movie. Um, <laughs> you're just like really scared of it the whole time but yeah it's do you uh, watch black mirror wait, at all yeah this was this yeah i watched like season three you could say this is a very black mirror especially later Black Mirror type episode, like season three, season four, where it's like kind of goofy and like ridiculous. Well, Um, it reminded me a lot of, there's the episode Archangel, which is like a woman lets her kid get parented by an iPad. I can't remember specifically. I just remember it was super on the nose. And like this one I thought was a lot better because one of the things that they say in Archangel is like, there's this Archangel program you can put on your iPad that basically parents your kid for you. And like, the woman in in the Archangel episode, she comes into it late. So, like, by the time she's getting the iPad, someone is already informing her, like, this has been banned in Europe. Like, they don't like that here, there. But we're mm-hmm. okay with it here. But just so you know, this has been banned in Europe. And, like, it's a lot different in this movie because this is, like, Megan isn't something that everyone has access to. Like, this is one toy that one person made for herself and she's still trying out the prototype. So strangely, so like weirdly enough, I can suspend my disbelief and like 
imagine Megan a lot better than I can imagine like a wide release, I guess, version of Megan, which I think was a really smart. Yeah. I think that was a really smart choice to not make this like they picked her up at the store and like, this is the prototype. Yeah. Like that, it helped the movie be more grounded, especially uh, having the main act or the main character be kind of a, an extreme apparently okay this is this is one of the problems i kind of had but like it, it makes sense because it's a movie like she's she's supposed to be like this extremely like socially awkward no affection uh like computer programmer because you know she 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 code it looks like she coded the ai by herself in a lot of ways mm-hmm. uh, i guess not as obviously not as airtight as it should have been but she did, you know, so she's supposed to be like, so she has a lot of trouble getting along with her niece um, who really needs a supportive role model at that time, especially because she is, uh, her aunt is really busy at work. She's She's got deadlines and stuff uh, and she's under a lot of stress. So it kind of makes sense. I, I thought she didn't come across as a socially awkward person in any way. It, it sounds like they were like, she's a coder, so she can't. She can't talk, which I got with the kid, but like she talked very normally with like other people. It just seemed like she was a business oriented, if that makes sense, rather than like socially awkward, Um, which I think is better for the movie just because it made it more watchable, I guess. Well, and I mean, like, I didn't get the impression she was that socially awkward. I just got the impression that she was like, not I don't mean this in a really, really bad way. Like she wasn't egocentric, but she was a little bit self-centered because she basically just always lived alone. So like mm-hmm. her priorities were her career, listening to the podcasts she likes, watching the shows she likes, doing the things she likes to do. So she was just like yeah. fully unprepared to welcome another person into her life. And mm-hmm. like, Maybe she would have gotten there at some point, but uh, having, you know, inheriting a child is a pretty drastic shift in in <laughs> yeah. someone's life, right? Yeah, so it's it's fair. I understand uh, what she was going for. It, it did remind me of, uh, what was that movie we watched recently from Netflix uh, with the dream world and Jason Momoa? It had like the exact same concept. Was it Slumberland? Slumberland, yeah. Something like that. Something land. Sleep land. So something along the lines of sleep. But yeah, it was a... Sleepy I guess time in, tea. In that, in that case, they actually made him extremely socially awkward. And that was part of the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's more because he's not the main character. I, I don't think you can have a main character that has has that much trouble talking to people. like, And also make the movie like easy to watch, if that makes sense. So like, I, I think it made sense in that sense. Yeah, you couldn't really make a fun horror comedy where the lead can't talk to people. Yeah, yeah. So I, I got what they did that. It just felt a little... I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a, I'm a... I feel like anyone that's that good at programming can't have any social skills is the thing. That's what. <laughs> that's my first thought when I was watching. I was like, that doesn't, doesn't make any sense. But yeah, so that that's a very odd <laughs> problem I had with the movie, but... I don't know. What'd you, what'd you think of? Did you actually find it like scary? I know this wasn't like a scary, scary movie, but um, it was no, definitely I, <clears throat> I mean, like, yeah, no, like the, the scares were well executed, I guess. Cause like there were some funny kills, but like mm-hmm. this was much more of a comedy than a horror. And I think that mm-hmm. I almost think the horror parts drag it down a little bit just mm-hmm. because like, 
it's gotta be a horror slasher movie. And, you know, like I said, I don't think it would be better as a family drama, but the more dramatic bits, like I can see what the director and the actors are going for. And like the, the themes are a lot stronger communicated in this than I've seen those themes communicated elsewhere. Cause like, this is all about not like letting your kid stay on the iPad until three in the morning. That's what this movie is about. (laughs) And like, I don't, I haven't seen another movie that gets that theme across quite as well as Megan does. And Mm -hmm. like, in, in the more serious moments. No, but at the same time, you know, the more serious moments by themselves don't make a fun and cool enough movie. And so, like, I, I, it needs to be a horror comedy. I guess your answer, your question was, did I find it scary? And the answer is no. Mm. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's not. Like you were saying, there's a lot more to this movie than scary. Which I, which I think was, like, to its benefit, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I think trying to make... <laughs> the Megan doll because it's such a funny concept right that I think trying to make it as scary as possible would wouldn't really work very well mm-hmm. so I, I think they went the right direction there I, I think the kills are actually like pretty I kind of wish there was more but I thought they were like pretty fun too like I <laughs> this sounds like it was kind of odd like all, all the people that died didn't really deserve to die in any way maybe the maybe the little kid and he didn't deserve to die, but like I could see why she was like, like he was assault, he was assaulting uh, what's her name, the the Katie. the niece. Yeah, so I I ended, the other ones were kind. Of, actually, no, I guess the dog did too. I I like the there's a couple kills uh towards the end of the movie that were literally there for no reason. I think they just they just added them in for fun, and they those are like pretty funny kills too. But yeah, like it's it's a fun kind of horror. I feel like this is like a good entryway for someone that is interested in horror but is too scared to watch like an actual horror movie this is like a good this provides some good leeway if that makes sense mm-hmm. um because it's mostly just it's mostly fun with like hints of horror throughout yeah and it's not like completely vapid outside of the horror comedy either like there's, there's a little bit going on so if you want to read into it you can and like it's it's got it's got a bit of a message kind of yeah yeah it's almost like a family movie like a little bit take this yeah yeah i could see that um what did you think of the the megan doll like how they did it um i i thought it was really good like i don't know i don't know exactly i'm gonna assume that for the most part she was a really 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 articulate puppet like um yeah but i think i i think it was i think it worked really well I would have believed that they built a Megan robot for this. I don't think they did, but like mm-hmm. they they uh, they made it look as real as it needed to be. Mm. And also, yeah, it was... like it would cost ten thousand dollars, which is a ridiculous price tag. Yeah, especially considering how strong and indestructible it is. That's quite impressive. Yeah, no, I thought that all was really well done. Uh, there was like hints. I, I just loved how close it, it did look really lifelike, you know, um, but there was just like these subtle like it's, it's kind of the same thing with the voice where like the voice would sound relatively human. And then sometimes you would have like a little, I don't know, like auto tune tweak at the end of sentences or something. But yeah, it was, it was like a you could tell. I mean, obviously, this the whole point of the movie was the doll, but they put a lot of thought into like how it would work and 
um, how it would react in certain situations. There's this one scene where the doll is being attacked by a dog. And it's actually like really like, because I, I had no idea. Well, this was right after the doll learns the concept of death, which was like kind <laughs> of an interesting scene too. I feel like every AI movie starts with that. But yeah, it was like really like, I wonder what she's thinking of when she's being attacked by this dog, you know, and like, I just found that really interesting for some reason, like, because right before she was like contemplating, I think she was contemplating life. Mm -hmm. Like when she was attacked by the dog, she wasn't really like, I mean, she's a robot. I guess she wouldn't panic or anything, but it looked like she was contemplating, calculating the best thing to do in the scenario, which is like, was she going to murder the dog? If that makes sense. Like, it was just like a very, like, I had no idea what she was thinking in that moment. And I thought that was actually scarier than a lot of things in the movie, I guess. I don't know exactly what it is, but I find it like, what I find really unsettling about that is like, when the dog is shaking Megan and like biting Megan and shaking her around and trying to like rip off her arm or whatever, Megan is just like flailing around like a doll would. Like, she's not moving Mm. that much because. You know, she's not a human being. She's not going to move like that. She's just ragdolling around. And like, I'm just reading about the special effects here. They did create like some animatronic Megan puppets for most of the scenes. And they probably just like let the dog shake a puppet around. And for whatever reason, I think like that hits right in the uncanny valley for me. I just like watch that and I go, ah, that feels like she should be moving a lot more. Yeah. Which I yeah I think that helps with the creepiness factor I guess that first scene there's a there's a scene at the start where they're experimenting with like putting the face the face skin on the head and mm-hmm. it has like it's not going on properly so it has like this like demented look to it I thought that was really well done I kind of wish they brought that back honestly like like the face would because I I think I guess that hinted to me that it was like almost demonic, if that makes sense, which I think might have been interesting way to go about Mm -hmm. it. But I'm kind of happy they kept it, quote unquote, grounded, (laughs) as grounded as possible. I was going to cut you off there because like, I'm pretty sure in the past I've seen movies where there's that are like on the surface supposed to be about AI, but then there's somehow a demon involved. And like, that's never a good twist. Don't do that. Yeah. That's fair. I think, uh, I mean, I guess we already had our haunted doll movie with Annabelle, um, which was also made by James Wan. So I guess we didn't really need that again. This is, I guess this felt like if Annabelle was actually like kind of good, if that makes sense. Like I always thought Annabelle, the concept of the doll was weird because like, I I think the doll is creepy, but like if you watch the movie, the doll never actually does anything. Just kind of sits there and then like other monsters like, do annabelle's bidding whereas like this movie it was like the doll was actually like doing it's like what you always thought annabelle would do if that makes sense but you could never Mm -hmm. film that because it would look really stupid so yeah they they made like a an undestructible robot to represent annabelle i guess it's a fun ride i wouldn't say it's like you know an amazing movie but it felt like a very january movie i guess if that makes sense yeah and like if this is a typical January movie, then I'm very happy to see movies in January because especially near the end of the year, maybe this is a hundred percent just me. I'm sure this isn't everyone's experience, but like I get like burned out on movies real bad near the end of the year, just because I watch so many freaking movies. 
And mm-hmm. then in January, when something like when something comes out that like is just easy to watch, and I want to say lets me turn my brain off, which Megan would let you do, but also actually does have like a little bit going for it where you don't have to do that, where you can have yeah. your brain in like low power mode for a bit. That's I yeah. I like that. It's not wasting my time by being just trash, but like it's it's not demanding that i sit there and like really think about life for a while no it was it was a very anything you had to think about in this movie was very explicitly stated to you (laughs) like in certain moments so one of the funniest devices in this movie is they have like a bunch of fake in-universe trailers for their toys and right mm-hmm. after they show the Megan one that shows all of what Megan can do up to and including like telling Katie to flush the toilet and wash her hands and roll up her sleeves and floss at a certain, like right after that trailer, someone says, or not trailer, right after that advertisement, Gemma's coworker says, wait a minute, have you just made a surrogate parent? Yeah, <laughs> like literally. How are we going to sell this to to parents? And I'm like, oh, well, I mean, I get it, but okay, yeah, yeah there then, it is. And then the, there's the theme of the movie. <laughs> there's this the psychologist that literally says, like, you are letting this robot raise your child. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> so, yeah, there was a lot of him. That psychologist, by the way, she was an asshole. I thought she was at the, the worst. Start, she was like. She was like judging her for letting her her niece wear pajamas at like ten in the morning or something, and it like her parents just died. Like I'm not if if my niece's parents just died, I'm not gonna like tell her to like change her pants first thing in the morning or something like that. Like it's a weird weird thing. And then watching them play ball was like the most awkward thing I've ever seen. And also like, uh, lo- look, I get that collect that collecting toys isn't for everyone, and like. I don't have any toys that I collect, but I have stuff that I like have around the house that I don't actively use all the time. And like, she just comes in and is like, Hey, do you guys have any toys? Why don't you play with toys? And then like forces her to take out her collectible toy. That's like probably worth a bunch of money. It's just like, Oh, it's a toy. It can't be that difficult. I'm like, I don't know if it was decorative plates, would you be forcing her to play with the decorative plates? What kind of, what kind of psychologist just tells you to like, like judges you for holding on to your properties? Yeah, that was, it was just very weird. I liked it though, because I mean, I kind of wish the therapist had more to do with the movie because I felt like they were just making her like an extremely unlikable character so that she would be killed later. But she was actually, it seemed like she was just there to provide the exposition yeah, actually, the only reason she was there was to provide that expositional line of what was it? It was like something syndrome, or there was some kind of something about thing attachment. Where, yeah, our attachment theory, where because the the kid's parents just died, she was looking for a new parent to replace them, and instead of finding her aunt, she found Megan, which is mm-hmm. why she had so much trouble moving on. So, uh, but yeah, like, it's kind of weird that she was only there for like one two lines of exposition but it was kind of interesting it's not that big of a deal and like i don't know how the therapist in this movie could have been better other than just not being there but Mm. like i wish i i I wish that like it was less of a low budget horror trope to make therapists actually the worst because like (laughs) then people won't go to therapy and people probably should like therapists are generally good at their job not always 
But like well, they're therapists uh, for a reason. I, I feel like there's a there's a part where um a therapist in uh what when I, I like a lot of the times are portrayed as, you know, like if someone's having a problem, they go see a therapist and be like, like there's a demon haunting me. The therapist can't agree with the person, but obviously as the audience, we think that we know it's true, so we hate the therapist for not believing her client. Whereas if in a realistic scenario, I guess a therapist would never be like, Yes, you are right, there is a demon <laughs> in your house. I agree with you. Now let's talk about it. Like uh, I mean Yes, and that's why it bugs me in this movie, because the worst thing the therapist does is just, like, she goes to Gemma, and she's like, why don't you play with toys, including your collectibles? Just grab that off the shelf, play with that. And then when Gemma tries to explain how it works, she's like, it's a toy. It can't be that hard to figure out. And, like... I don't know. Sure, any other person could say that, but that is a therapist, like... A therapist should not be saying that. Like specifically yeah, a that, therapist. That, that was weird. They they handled yeah. it very poorly in this movie. <laughs> That's why it bugs me in this movie and not in something like Smile. Where I think in Smile yeah. they handled it really well. But in Smile, if someone was like, no, you're not being visited by a demon, actually. I would get it. Like, of course, that's what your therapist is going to think, at least. Yeah. And I think it also helped that you never knew when it was the therapist and smile or if it was the demon. True. Um, even though I don't love that part of the movie, but yeah. Um, yeah, so poor therapy. We, we got a, we need a horror movie with more, uh, a, a better insight on therapists, I guess. That's, that's the goal, I think. Yeah, that's better therapy the, movie. We don't need better dolls. We need better, better therapist movies. I don't know what to say. That's, it was, it was, it was a good movie, I guess. Generally speaking, if you had to put a rating on that bad boy, or I guess on that naughty girl, what would you give Megan? <laughs> I give it a seven. It's like kind of, it's kind of fun. It's interesting. It's it's actually paced really, really well too. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a moment I was like actually bored in this movie, so I thought it was great, and I'm excited for Megan 2.0, um, which is coming out in a couple years, I guess. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I don't know. How, I don't know what a sequel to this movie is going to look like, but I, I thought it was going to because there was that whole subplot with the company. Maybe that will come up in the future, but there was the subplot of the Megan designs got leaked to a different company. Yeah, who was known for making cheap reproductions of that company's product. So I was expecting the end of the movie to actually feature like an army of cheap Megans. <laughs> like, destroying civilization but i maybe that they're saving that for the sequel yeah they're gonna make like heidi or something but with a one instead yeah. of an i yeah actually that that's great you should you should pitch that to them <laughs> uh but I, I i think uh it was like it, it's so obvious like to me it felt really obvious that it's an ai movie and there was no attempt like for some reason the the person that created her even though she knew Megan hacked into all her stuff, she she never thought that Megan would upload a backup to anywhere. Like she was just like, "It's over. We killed the robot," which was like kind of odd, but you know, it's it's sequel bait, so it makes mm-hmm. I guess it makes sense in the long run. Anyways, yeah, seven. What would you rate it? I I think I'd give it like a soft seven. I think I'd agree. So. Yeah, this was this was a fun one to see in the theater. It is now on video on demand. It was a pretty easy one to watch at home too. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I I was gonna watch it in theaters, but I ended up watching it at home, which I'm really happy with. I I wouldn't say this was like a must see in theaters type movie. Yeah, like a for very sure. good streaming movie. Mm-hmm. So speaking of January horror movies, I went and saw one other horror movie that like I did pitch to you, but after having seen it, I don't I don't know if you'd vibe with it quite as much. Yeah, I I'm sorry. I, if anyone was hoping I'd talk about this next movie, but I refuse to watch it. <laughs> Especially now that even Jeff is like, yeah, this is like a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it will not come back to me. But yeah. But what, what was this yeah. movie? Though? So uh, I watched two days ago, I watched Infinity Pool, which is it's Brandon Cronenberg's third movie, I think, after mm-hmm. right after Possessor, which we did talk about here. And it is... It's a lot. Mr. James Foster, you'll have to come with us. Here, the punishment for any crime committed is death. What? What did you say? That's for a significant sum. We'll build a double to send in for your execution. It's a lot. I I wasn't sure what to expect. I thought Possessor was like such an interesting sci-fi concept that lent itself so well to a horror movie. And then an Infinity Pool, like I wasn't really sure where it was going for the first 20 minutes. Like I thought it was about architecture. I don't know how this is going to become a messed up horror movie. And then it 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 got there. It got there pretty quick actually. Mm. What what would you say was like was there like a theme to like the horror at least? Yeah, like I would actually or... Yeah, so I don't know how well you remember Possessor, but Possessor like the big theme of it is the main character played by Andrea Riseborough in that she can possess other people, uh like mm. possess their bodies. And she possesses Christopher Abbott's character, but he kind of resists it. So they end up having this identity crisis within his head where Andrea Riseborough has possessed so many people. She sort of doesn't know who she is anymore. And now she's inside this other person's head who is doing things that he doesn't intend to do so they have this so they're both having like a crisis of identity because they're sharing one mind essentially yeah and neither of them is fully in control and it's um i would i would say that infinity pool is actually very similar in themes the concept of infinity pool starts from a very different place so um alexander skarsgård the guy from the northman he is still very muscular in this, but not quite like as buff. Anyway, yeah, Alexander Skarsgård plays a failed writer. He's on a trip in like, it's a made up European country. I think it's Latoka is what it's called. And, but it, I mean, it feels like it's supposed to kind of be Croatia, kind of be Romania a little bit, but it's a made up mm. European country. And um, but they're at a resort there. And the rules of the resort are just, you cannot leave the resort for any reason. Like if you're a tourist here, don't leave, don't leave the resort, just stay here. Well, they leave the resort 
and they accidentally run over a guy as they're coming home from the beach and uh, he dies. And the penalty for anything that results in the death of someone else, like whether it's murder, manslaughter, anything like that, and the penalty for a lot of other things is death. Like, so Alexander Skarsgård is being sentenced to death right away. However, Latoka has a very interesting doubling tradition, is what it's called, where if you pay enough money, they make a clone of you and they execute the clone instead. The clone has all your memories, so the clone knows that it did the crime and is guilty, but the clone dies. You don't die. So, oh, wow. so he gets cloned, and then his clone dies. And this sort of and this sort of like spirals out into this movie essentially being very similar to Possessor, because by the end of the movie, I mean, it's not too much of a spoiler to say that there is more than one Alexander Skarsgård clone in this movie. By the end of this movie, Alexander Skarsgård, he's not even really sure he's the original Alexander Skarsgård anymore. And he's having to deal with the fact of like, one, there are no consequences for his actions ever, no matter what those actions are, because he can just clone himself and get them killed. And two, he never knows who he is, because if the clone knows everything about him, how does he know that he's not the clone? If the clone knows literally everything. So it sort of comes at the same angle as the as the prestige, but from an explicitly horror angle. When I watch this movie, my interpretation is that the, the Alexander Skarsgård who is alive at the end of the movie is the same one who is alive at the beginning of the movie. But Brandon Cronenberg does a really good job of making you doubt that a lot. There's one scene, my favorite scene in the movie is a long take where you see Alexander Skarsgård and his crime friends hanging out, having a laugh, having a good old time. And then they get taken away by the police, taken into the execution chamber. And every single one of them, you see their throats slit like up close. And it's not, it's not cool. It's like very... It's very disturbing. They just show you their throats getting slit. And then the camera pans over to the viewing area where Alexander Skarsgård and his crime friends are are applauding. They're like, yeah, good show, guys. So like, that's one scene where it's like, who is who here? What did I just watch? And like, the clones are very clearly in extreme emotional distress and like serious pain. Plus, they weren't introduced to us as clones. We don't actually know that those weren't the real people. Yeah, it's it's wild. The last two movies I've seen with Brandon Cronenberg are all about, like, very contrived situations that lead to an extreme loss of identity, where, like, yeah. no one really knows who they are, and Brandon Cronenberg is really, is really good at communicating that to the audience, where the audience doesn't really know who's who either. Uh, but in like a good way and infinity pool is i mean i described it as almost an inverted possessor i think it takes the same themes as possessor and comes at them almost from like the opposite angle yeah it's cool i i I like that idea of like uh you compared it to the prestige where it's it's a cool concept of because i feel like the prestige kind of stopped at at the entire cloning thing because i think going into that would have become extremely like psychologically like it would have become more of a psycho psychological horror movie so mm-hmm. it's cool that this movie actually takes that concept and really like delves into it i guess 
and what it, it does to that state of mind. Um, mm-hmm. So so you wouldn't say, was, was this like, because I know you said this was a very disturbing movie to watch. Um, what about it? Like, did, well, did it disturb you or was it like you didn't, you thought it would disturb me a lot because it seemed so very disturbing? I do think it would disturb you a lot. It really disturbed me, yeah. but um, I don't know if it would disturb us for the same reasons. Like this movie reminded me a lot of Eyes Wide Shut, which I think I've said it on the show is like, for me, the scariest movie I've ever watched. What I found that was similar between Infinity Pool and Eyes Wide Shut is like, both of them deal with extremely rich people getting away with something that, with with stuff that should be illegal just because they're super rich. Like in Infinity Pool, there are no consequences for anything that anyone does because if they ever get a death penalty, which seems to be like the only real penalty that exists in this country, they just pay their way out of it. And like they have so much, the characters in this have so much money that like there's there's a plot point where they actually just like create a clone for shits and giggles. Like there's not even a reason that they don't even need that. Like no one's getting executed. They just create one because they like grease their buddy over in the police precinct to make them a funny clone so they can play a prank on a friend. Not only are there no consequences, there's so much no consequences that nothing matters. And Mm. that like, that really, really bugs me because like, I don't know. I am not that fabulously wealthy. And while I understand that like infinity pool is an invented scenario, there are probably not people, there are definitely not rich people out there that are getting themselves cloned to get out of death penalties. However, there are rich people out there who have so much money that no matter what they do, it's never going to matter. Like they can just pay their way out of anything. And something about that just makes me feel so small in the world and like, mm. not, like so little matters, but also that no matter what I do, I'm on the chopping block for something. It's just a very existential fear for me that like there are people out there that live by, that live by rules that are so different from my own that we have zero common ground ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh like, yeah, it makes sense that that that's why you eyes wide spread really horrified you too. I mean, like, I uh, I don't like or subscribe to any conspiracy theories, but like, this is the kind of thing th- for me. These are these are the things that I f- like. I get the same feeling from these movies that people who are really into conspiracy theories get from I don't know, you know thinking that aliens killed JFK or something. Yeah, that's, I mean, well, it's just, it's a very realistic conspiracy there. Uh, yeah. Because, it. I mean, like, what you're saying is that uh, in this movie, rich people use clones to get out of death penalties. But I mean, like, what you're saying is that it's, it's, it's in a way, it's, like, not even that disturbing compared to what already happens, with, which is that a lot of people just can pay their way out of it, essentially. And like not never yeah. get accused, um, so it's it's kind of cool that this movie then is like, I guess kind of, I don't know how to say it like symbolizing it more in a way that's like more comprehensible. Because I feel like when you mm-hmm. say it, it's not as disturbing when you're thinking of like, 
uh, oh, this guy's just paying off not getting murdered. I, it feels like a very transactional thing, you know, but when you actually like look at the core of it, I feel like that's what that movie looks at. It's like how disturbing it actually is that that mm -hmm. happens a lot um, and conveying it in a way that like really truly disturbs the viewer, I guess. Yeah. And I think like, I don't know, one thing that kind of bothers me at the end of this movie, like I say bothers me. It's it's very good. It's it's very good filmmaking, but it just like really gets to the core. Is at the very end, they're all leaving the vacation. Their vacation. They're all leaving the resort, and they're all on the bus, and they're talking about like what they're gonna do when they go home. And it just feels so normal. And that's what bothers me about this stuff. Is like, you know, at the end of Eyes Wide Shut, when everyone went home, they just went back to normal life. Like. They had some nights of debauchery, probably killed a bunch of people. Someone went missing. And then the next day, everyone goes back to the normal stuff. And here, too, mm. they kill a diplomat at one point. And then they just go home and, you know, on the bus, they're talking about, oh, what are you going to do? Well, I don't really work right now. And, you know, he's always at work. So I guess I just won't see him for a while. Ha ha ha. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it <laughs> just feels in these movies so much happens between the beginning and the end. And yet at the beginning and the end, the characters make it feel like none of this mattered. Like that really drives home that theme for me where, yeah. you know, if it's not only that there are no, con like there's no bad consequences to their actions. No one is going to get killed in this because they have the money to pay their way out of it, but there's no good consequences either. Like they go home, they had a nice vacation and now they never remember it. Like, yeah holy shit yeah this should be well, a life-altering experience right how would you compare it to something like would you would you what sorry was was the setting futuristic or was it like a modern setting with those futuristic components the setting was pretty much not futuristic at all like okay, there's yeah. there's clearly the cloning aspect but the cloning aspect like there's no sci-fi technology involved there's just they don't even really explain it except to say that it is a, that this is a very religious country and this is a religious thing. So like, oh, okay. it's not that the cloning is portrayed as, I don't know, somehow retro, but it's almost mm. actively anti-futuristic, which is super weird. Yeah. Wait, would you say that kind of helps with like, cause I, I feel like there's movies like the hunger games, right. That play along the same themes, but it's like in such an obviously, different futuristic setting that you can't it's not as disturbing i guess do you think like so do you think a movie like this that's more set in like our world like kind of gets that point across better of like the dystopian kind of crushing reality of it i think it makes it scarier because actually it reminds me a little bit of midsummer in that respect because in midsummer like midsummer is a pretty brutal horror movie but a mm -hmm. lot of the themes of midsummer are I'm not going to be communicating this the right way, I don't think. But a lot of the themes of Midsummer, it really asks you to question how much of the traditions of the people that they go to are just different traditions and how much of it is like actually reprehensible. Because like even the first time that people die in Midsummer, the movie is like sort of goading the audience into, well, Yes, this seemed bad, but these people did it of their own volition. This is a tradition. They were looking forward to this. Is this really that bad of a thing, considering it's kind of a religious tradition? 
And so in what makes the themes of Midsummer really come across is that like, I don't know, it's not super realistic, I guess, but it's realistic in that like, this could just be another culture somewhere that you're never going to, that you're never going to like interact with. And I think that infinity pool kind of hits that same vibe where it makes it more disturbing because this isn't a future we're somehow working towards and that Brandon Cronenberg thinks will come to pass. This could just be like a a small coastal coastal country that you're not going to go visit because you don't have the money to go to that resort. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, Wait. So how, how would you think it kind of compares to uh, eyes wide shut? If that makes sense, because like, I want to say eyes wide shut is like, even though it's not obviously futuristic at all, I, I feel like in, in some ways, because you don't, it was Tom Cruise, poor, like they weren't poor either, right? There's no, they were there was pretty no, like, well off. Yeah. Yeah. There was no like relate. Was there like a more relatable protagonist in this in any way or character, I guess, because I feel like an eyes wide shut, like they're part of that world. So you don't really get like a grounded perspective of it, if that makes sense. A more grounded perspective, I should say. It's a little difficult to say because Alexander Skarsgård's character in this is rich, but he married rich. Like he's rich because his wife is rich. He himself is a failed writer. And so like, he's a little more relatable because he hasn't always been rich, but like, it's not like he's a complete alien to rich people world either. Mm -hmm. Okay. So do do you think that helped it in any way? I think so. I think that like, it, it made him a very effective audience surrogate because um, even if he's probably better off than most of the audience, he's not better off than most of the audience in the way that Mia Goth's character is, who is just fabulously wealthy in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, she also married rich, but she married richer. So yeah, <laughs> it's less relatable. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, well, that's cool. Any final thoughts on that? I wasn't sure what to expect going into Infinity Pool and uh, coming out of it. I'm not sure how I could have expected what I got. It was amazing. I mean, I think that anyone who liked Possessor will really like Infinity Pool. I think it's really interesting how Brandon Cronenberg is able to like tackle the same themes, but make two very different movies. Because Mm -hmm. I do think that thematically they're both very similar even as movies, you can tell they come from the same director, but they're not like, you know, Possessor is a very sci-fi story and Infinity Pool is almost not sci-fi at all. It, it kind of is technically, but even the yeah. sci-fi elements, they explain away in a way that as long as you can suspend your disbelief, doesn't have to be sci-fi at all, which is, uh, which is kind of interesting. It's like they're yeah. almost two different genres of movie <laughs> despite very much sharing a lot of the same DNA. And so I would say this was my favorite January horror movie, personally. Damn. Well, I didn't see any other horror movies other than Megan, so I got to say Megan's my favorite. Oddly enough, though, it, it sounds like in some ways they were they were pretty similar in that. Like, Megan's also a movie that has a very obvious... Like, I'd, I'd say that cloning is like a very obvious metaphor for getting out of jail when you're not when you're rich and I, i'd say the same thing for uh megan where <laughs> the the doll is a very obvious stand-in for uh just technology in general taking over parenting kids mm-hmm. um and they were both set in the modern day with some with some odd some oddly 
advanced uh, high tech plot device in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how I'm stretching the the comparison between these two, but that's how I see it. You you definitely get at something real there, where um, I think horror is a really good way to examine a lot of things that people think about are inherently scary. Like the idea that there's an entire society of people that we just have no access to, or the idea that like AI is something that we don't fully understand. And that even the people that are working on it don't really fully understand. These are potentially very scary topics. And so horror gives us a really good way to like, explore those in depth while also being very entertaining. I've seen AI movies that are good that aren't scary, but I think Mm. that like it is a real fear and a legitimate fear that AI is something that we don't fully understand. And I, I can say this as a former AI researcher, you know, it's something that the researchers don't understand. And so, yeah. you know, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with it. And optimistically, we haven't probed the depths of how cool AI can be. Pessimistically, we haven't quite reached a singularity yet. And as soon as we do, we're going to kill everyone on earth. And like, those are, that's a, that's a pretty wide gap. So it's, you know, it's, it's comforting to sort of explore all areas of that. And horror is a really good way to do that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, a movie that's just scary for the sake of being scary is never a good movie. So it's always good to have something else that's actually going on to, to give the movie some kind of meat to it. But I got one last question for you, Pierre, because we, we have a special surprise today. I got one last question for you. January horror. Think back to all the horror movies you've ever seen in January. What would you say your favorite is? Like of all time? Or <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, not. I just feel I, I just felt that I would drop this question that you weren't <laughs> expecting on you that asks I, you to think back to your entire life. Uh well if I had to give you an answer right now, I'd say Megan because I think it's the only horror movie that I can remember seeing in January, if I'm going to be honest. Oh, was was Scream? I mean, actually, I think I prefer Megan to Scream, honestly. Interesting. Um, like, which Scream? scream the new Scream, the new Scream. Gotcha. Sorry. That might have been March, so I'm not sure. But yeah. What would you say is your favorite January horror movie? Oh, gosh. You know, I wasn't expected for this question to come back my way. <laughs> uh, I, I think Infinity Pool is a pretty strong one. Wow, I'm, okay. I'm struggling to think of a lot of other ones, but like Infinity Pool was really, really good. And it was mm-hmm. really, really scary. And I don't find a lot of movies like I understand. I don't know. I, I can watch a movie and understand like what I'm supposed to feel. And I can watch a movie and sometimes I will feel things. But like Infinity Pool, I thought was pretty messed up and pretty scary which is rare for me like i don't find a lot of horror movies that hit quite that hard so infinity pool might be might might actually be the one yeah that's fair but uh we do have a special surprise i asked my buddy chris for his thoughts on january horror movies and we got him to call in here's chris Hi, this is uh, Chris FHD, and I have been tasked to talk about one of my favorite January horror movies. Now, there were a couple I could go with. I was thinking about talking about Cloverfield, but I feel like everybody likes Cloverfield. So, like, 
everyone knows about that, so I want to talk about something that's uh, not so popular and that, in fact, not many people like, except for me, and that is My Bloody Valentine 3D, which uh, came out in 2009, January 2009. Um, It's a banger. I don't know if it's a good movie, but it's a banger. Um, It's everything you want in a slasher. It's disgustingly gory, ton of nudity, really over-the-top 3D effects. Um, There's a nice little mystery in it, too, with a bonkers twist at the end, as always. You got, got the guy from Supernatural. What's his name? Jensen Ackles. Um, yeah, it's just everything you want for a slasher. I think it's better than the original. Just a super entertaining time. Um, highly recommend it so you can yell at me afterwards. Chris, why'd you make me watch this? This wasn't good because I think I'm the only one who likes it, but it's a banger. Check it out. Pierre, not to put you on the spot again, but do you ever see My Bloody Valentine 3D? No, I have. I'm going to be honest. I ever... <laughs> If I ever read that title for, I mean, if you, I feel like if you add 3D to the end of any title, like Piranha 3D is the only other one I can think of. It's going to be a trash movie, but apparently it's quite good. So, well, I might, I, mean, I might watch the trailer for this. I think is what I might do. I think like I'm, I'm not, you know, this is entirely up to Chris if he's up for it in the future. If we ever do have the opportunity to get Chris on, I might, uh, I might recommend that we try and have him talk to us about my bloody valentine 3d i remember the trailers for that one coming on tv and being mm. like aha uh-huh, all right it is in fact january and then yeah. you know february came along and it was out of mind but yeah. uh it's rare that someone will bring up a movie and be like this is really good and you should watch this and i remember it from tv trailers 10 years ago like that must have been something oh definitely I'm- I I might try and watch it here soon. I gotta finish up a couple more Oscars movies. And I then... I will let you watch it first, and then <laughs> maybe yeah, I'll, I'll consider it afterwards. I'll I'll screen it for you and give you the Common Perfect, Sense yeah. Media review. Yeah, there you go. That's what I like to hear. All right. Anyway, Pierre, what's your last word for today? Metaphor.